This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey, Al Chainers, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast, a special edition of the Always Cheating Podcast today. Brandon and I are joined by Joe Lepper, a.k.a. Fantasy Fo- FF Scout Joe on Twitter, a.k.a. Joe from the Fantasy Football Scout website and podcast. Hey, Joe. Hi, uh, pleased to be here. Really, I'm really pleased to be here, in fact, because um, we were saying just before on air that I'm actually a bit of a fan of this podcast. Um, and we were talking about things about content and I like, I just like, I like the feel of two, two guys from New York talking about football, knowing more than a lot of us in the UK about our so-called game. And uh, yeah, so it's good. Yeah, I'm really pleased to be here. Welcome, Joe. I think that our knowledge might come from the fact that in America, they actually broadcast all of the Premier League games on TV. Oh. So that that's really the only hack that we have over a lot of the, the Brits, even though we can't see it live we do get to see it all in spectacular uh two dimension on tv well i think amid amid the current health crisis um that's all of us yeah <laughs> none of us can go anymore all right joe we ha- let's get it out of the way speaking of are you pro or against the fake crowd noise when watching during the pandemic i'm okay with it um i watch uh, matches but i also listen to a lot of matches um, right. I, when I walk, uh, when I walk my dog, I often like to have a match on if it's on time it quite nicely. Um, where I live is in Somerset. It's quite near, uh, Glastonbury. So I, I, I've got this nice view of Glastonbury tour, um, ahead of me, um, the, uh, the match on <laughs> my headphones and my dog up to no good in some field somewhere. And so, <laughs> I, so I, so with no sound, no crowd noise for me, it would just be a weird experience. It'd be like that. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that, that clip of um, the medal ceremony from Star Wars? Um, yeah. But with all the music removed on YouTube. Yes. I, so it's just I just coughing. saw that for the, I, I just saw that for the first time recently and it was, 
it like rocked my world. I could not believe. I this, like, just like last week, I saw this. It's, have you seen this, Brett? You could hear people. Coughing I have it. No, this, this sounds amazing. <laughs> it is. It's great. The same people have done a beautiful one with Mick Jagger and David Bowie doing "Dancing in the Streets," um, coughing and spluttering <laughs> their way through it as they dance down the street in their eighties pajamas. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to watch that as soon as this video is over. So for anybody who doesn't know, Joe, you've been involved with Fantasy Football Scout for for many years. I, mm. I don't know. How, how far back does it go? Um, 20, well, I started commentating, uh, commentating, commenting there, uh, 2009. And okay. just, just being part of the community there, chatting away. And they were after some extra writers. Because uh, back then it was it was Mark who, who created Fantasy Football Scout and a few others. It was quite a small team. People like Paul was the editor there. Um, and they just needed some help to create the content. And so they they asked for people. And um, myself and another guy, we uh, we got through that process. And I think I think the first thing I wrote was on Stefan Sessignon. He was one of my favorite players because he scored in the last minute at, at for Sunderland, Sunderland yeah. in a double yeah. game week. And, um, mm-hmm. yep. and, and then from then, I um, became their community manager. So at the time, I lived in Brighton. Uh, Mark lived in Brighton as well. So we, we met up and, and he needed help managing the community. If you, 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 nowadays, when you, when you see the FPL community on Twitter, it seems huge and all these things. But back then, there was none of that really. It wasn't that, that wasn't really a thing at the time. Yeah, but it wasn't. No, this forum. I remember. Yeah. So the chats were. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, they're still huge on Fantasy Football Scout. But then it was all new and huge, and um, just needed help managing that really, and um, sort of putting the conversations into kind of hot topics and directing that, and you know, and there's just lots of you know challenges with that, and so started doing that, um, and then moved back much more into the content uh, production really, um, and then. Obviously, video podcasts were emerging more. I was invited onto the Scoutcast to sort of bring that community element into it. So, I mean, my my background is as I'm a, I'm a journalist, and my background was when I trained as a local journalist. And part of that is bringing local names and faces into the pages of a newspaper, and that's right. essentially the same. Um, ethos I brought on to the Scoutcast. It was there was a yeah. One of your regular mm. segments, Joe, was the rough and the smooth, and you yeah. would basically bring game week scores from people in the community yeah, yeah. onto the Scout content and say, "Well, this is what went wrong for this manager. This mm. is what went jammy or right for that manager." Yeah, yeah. yeah I had a there was a thing we called, called the full jaunty. But I was called, I had the sort of nickname of Jonty at the time. And we, uh, with the full Jonty, we would just analyze like a particular um, person's score. But we also to look for stories as well. So um, Mark's background is he's a journalist as well, trained journalist. I mean, David, who run, who's the editor of Fancy Football Scout now, he's also a journalist. So, um, and you, you bring with that, that that new sense. And so you would do, you just bring in new stories of things. And, and, and I think that's remained to the day, really. Always after stories, really. You know, um, that's what Rough with the Smooth's about, really. So, yeah. you know, you think, what goes through that manager's mind when that player, they thought we were gonna, they were going to, was going to play and get them a million points is in fact benched, but then they come on in the last 10 minutes and <laughs> score a hat trick and you know, what goes through yeah. their minds. And that's, that's interesting. I think. I feel like the way you were introduced to the community, you were, you were kind of like a, a polarizing voice. I feel like, and I feel like it's, it's sort of, <laughs> I don't mean polarized. I mean, I guess polarizing can be as good and bad, but 
you know, I feel like it, like it took me a minute to warm up to you because I feel like you had mm. sort of strong opinions and you were willing to, to share them. And, and that is not. Sounds like somebody I know, you, Josh. Mm. Well, yeah, well, maybe, maybe there is kind of a simpatico thing. And, and I don't know if people feel the same way about, about me, but like, I feel like there was kind of a, you were willing to call people bad or call, yeah, you know, well, or, think, or well, disagree I, about. Oh, well, I think Mark and Granville on the scout cast were always, always willing to do that. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that was new, mm-hmm. but but then once again, that is from my local press and, and my journalism background more, especially when I worked for national magazines more. And I remember a particular editor there was saying, you know, have a voice, have a strong voice. This is why, you know, this is what we want from this feature. Or uh, I remember a particular, I remember writing a story in my local journalism days and really annoying some local businesses because they were doing poor things. And the the editor completely backed me up, was saying, this is great. If some some people like you, like what you're writing, some people hate what you like, writing that's a good thing if everyone likes it or everyone hates it then we've got a problem <laughs> but if some right, people like it right. some people don't like it then it's then it becomes more interesting and it's there's an irony to yeah. that really because um i'm i'm something i play up a bit on the scout cast is that the sort of the dullard approach to management which we may speak about a bit later and but when it comes to producing content you i don't think you can be dullard because it's boring <laughs> you've got to be right, yeah. try and be polarizing to that point, Joe, I think the vibe that both Josh and I get from your voice, particularly on the Scoutcast, is fantasy is still fun and engaging mm-hmm. for you. And you've, as you said, you've been producing content along with being a manager for a long time now. The theme for Always Cheating this coming season is going to be how do we make fantasy fun again? And I think it's, it's hard for a lot of managers just – uh, who don't even produce content like this to stay engaged. So having done this as, as long as you have, how do you stay positive? How do you stay focused? And have you gone through periods of FPL burnout recently? Well, it's not, it's not burnout as such, but there's definitely a lack of motivation. So I think next, next season will be my 13th season. And looking back at my history, the most boring season I had where I was thinking of not jacking it in, but I was just thinking this. I'm, I'm a bit bored of this. Was when I when I it was after a string of of quite high finishes, and I came. I was five thousand and something, and I was just a bit bored because basically the way the game was set up, then you could pick someone like Suarez, captain them every yeah. week, um, use your mm-hmm. chips around double game weeks. Um, you know, it, it just became quite formulaic. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, so the next season, so, so for some people, the, um, the kind of lack of motivation comes where they think they, when they've got a bad score or something and it's like, oh, I've had enough of this, but it's not for me. It's not, not really like that. The, that makes me more motivated <laughs> getting a bad score. So the, the following season, by about Christmas, I was about a million <laughs> and I was trying to do different things, you know, just things that were a bit out of my comfort zone with playing FPL. And it wasn't really working at all. So by about Christmas, I had this mission, <laughs> get in the top 100K from about a million <laughs> and whatever, I'm going to mm-hmm. try and do that. And that was my mission and managed that just uh, towards the end of that season. And I was really motivated by that. And there were lots of people who, were, who had bad ranks. I set up a, a league for, for some of us as well, the, the Millionaires Club one. And there's lots of leagues like that as well. Um, and they're quite good for people with scores with ranks below a million. And that's a really good way to stay motivated if you're having a bad season. Also, mini leagues help um, as well. But but it's but that fun 
element to it, it comes and goes like anything in life. You get bored with it and you get excited by it. And with me, it was it was just it becoming samey. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. when I had a season where suddenly my season wasn't the same, um, mm-hmm. yeah, then I became motivated. And I've been motivated every season since. Well, you rose to yep. the challenge in a way that I did not this last <laughs> season, so I have to take some lessons there. I think that that's a theme that Brent and I talked about in our, our season wrap-up podcast, though, is that it is um, – I, I think it is true. You know, Both of us had extremely good 18, 19 seasons and then uh, fell back a little bit this year. And I think it is I, – I, th- I think after a really good season, it is a little harder to get motivated, especially mm. because – you know, after game week one, right. If you're, you know, you sort of like, you you start to realize you're probably not going to finish first overall, you know, unless you're, uh, you know, unless everything breaks your way. And so you have to sort of find new ways to get motivated. So as I, I almost wonder if I put myself in a position where I am 500 K or something, just so that I can give myself something to shoot for, you know, it's like, like, are you going to tank your rank this season on purpose, Josh? Yeah, yeah, six million in game week one, just to see uh, how I can get. So this yeah, is like exactly. the FPL version of Kathy Bates in Misery. You're going to hobble yourself and then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, somehow exactly. escape and end up in the top ten k. <laughs> so as far as FPL, and I, I have some, we have some actual strategy questions we're going to talk about in a second here. But I think there are people who are listening who you know, are just interested in, it does feel like we're in a moment where a lot of people want to be, I, I think it kind of makes sense. Maybe it's COVID related. Uh, maybe it's the easy access to these tools, but it feels like a lot of people are interested in becoming content creators or starting their mm-hmm. own podcast, website, whatever. Um, you know, but there, I think the what comes with that is a lot of noise. You know, it's yeah. hard to separate um, what, you know, and obviously, you know, everyone has their own voice and, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if there's anything, um, do you have any thoughts on how to rise above the noise a little bit? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's two things really. One, one is to be a bit different. So for example, the same why I, I listen to your show is because you're two guys in New York who know a bit more about football than some of us <laughs> in the UK and watch the matches and can talk about them from a fantasy perspective. And there's something about it that engaged me in. There's other podcasts as well. Um, I like the Planet FPL guys as well. I, I just, I find it engaging and different um, because their, their trick is they're very, very knowledgeable about football, um, um, which I find really interesting. Um, and like FPL Family, another another uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and they do videos as well. Husband and wife who play. I mean, what a great selling point that is. Husband and wife, and they compete <laughs> against each other each week in their FPL teams. So I guess the, the main thing is not necessarily be massively different. Don't think you know you got you don't turn up in an ostrich costume and start speaking <laughs> you know double Dutch about these things. You just just what you should do is is just look at it slightly differently and and have your own voice. Um, you know, some of the things I was talking about as a journalist as well. I don't think, although I have a journalist background, um, Mark, uh, Fantasy Football Scout, lots of the Fantasy Football Scout team have journalist backgrounds. Um, you don't need a journalist background. There are plenty of, of I suppose, amateurs who, who haven't been trained as being journalists or content providers who are very good at it. Yeah. Um, but it's a case of following those skills. Look for stories as well. People don't. A lot of, some blogs, um, blogs, and, and and podcasts and and videos. There's no story to them sometimes, um, and that, that's what it is. It's, I mean, if you think the story is, oh, this player's good to get in and he's a good price. Well, that's not really a story. 
Um, you just look for the, the the angle to it. You know, how does it appeal to to fantasy Premier League managers? And I think that's. I think I'm not saying that's that's lacking because it's all out there. There's loads of good content out there. Um, but um, it, it's a question of rising above the noise. But it's also be good if a lot of those other content creators, um, you know rose above that noise but had a had had a sense of their own voice and had a sense of what is a story and who they're appealing to we you when you're doing the podcast you're speaking to people you're speaking to your audience not speaking to you speak to each other obviously but you're not speaking just for yourselves for your own benefit you're there to give advice and and entertain and educate it's like it's like when the, the bbc in the uk was formed um John Reith had this motto, what was it, educate, entertain and inform about the BBC. And I think that that should hold true, really, across content, really. You want to educate people, but you want to entertain them as well and be fun and and inform them. And, well, that's the aim anyway. I'm not saying I do that, but that's the aim. (laughs) I think that's brilliant advice, Joe. Um, And speaking of creating content, We've talked about Mark. We've mentioned his name earlier in this podcast. One of the original content creators in the FPL space is Mark Southerns. He's mm-hmm. one of the – did he help to found the Fantasy Football Scout? He, he is. He formed it. He is. It. He <laughs> it, is the it, guy. It, it, was, it was him and a blog. And then yeah. and then it got bigger and more people joined. Yeah. And But, yeah, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have existed if he hadn't have created it. Right? So this day that we're recording it uh, – it was actually announced that Mark, after going on a hiatus for more than a year from fantasy, he's coming back to the mm-hmm. scout, which is amazing news for lots of longtime FPL followers. So how long has this been in the works to kind of coax Mark out of the shadows? And I, and, I, I, I mean, I you, you guys know. must be thrilled. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I don't actually know much about it, um, but I know I don't know when the decision was made. But I think, um, yeah, he wants he wants to talk more about fancy football, <laughs> and um, I and I think lots of people have missed him on the videos and the podcasts, and they've missed him on uh, writing the um, articles as well. Um, the preamble mm-hmm. article is a great article, and and you read those articles. It was, this was an article every Saturday morning. And it was the point from a you know an FPL manager about to come up to deadline for that game week and the kind of things that go through your mind. Um, and you read that and you go, hmm, this guy not only doesn't know what he's talking about, but he's a journalist as well. And it's a good story to it, and it writes well, it reads well, and um, and and I think that as um, you know, there's a few a few of us who do that, but I, I don't think any of us do it quite as well as Mark. So yeah, it's great that he's back. Yeah, just me, I think, actually. Yeah, just the, you the, it's just the two of us. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, moving on to actual uh, fantasy strategy here, um, you know, and, and Mark actually does, he has a number of great finishes. And I, I did not realize, Joe, that you had mm. never finished outside the top oh. 100K. Uh, and in fact, it looks like you have one, two, three, you had a stretch of six, six years in a row where you finished in the top 10K, mm. uh, which is extremely impressive. So, I, I mean, that, that seems like that's, that's actually quite, I mean, you must be kind of proud of that, right? I mean, that, a top 100K this many years is pretty impressive. Well, I, th- I think for, I mean, why we do this game is there's various kind of thresholds and benchmarks we set ourselves um you know for those that haven't finished in the top 10k obviously that is a that's an achievement top 5k top 1k 
Um, so, for example, I, I finished in the top 1K, but I've never finished in the top 100. So that is still a goal, <laughs> eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never finished outside the top 100K, and I hope to keep it that way. Um, but um, I think in order to do it, you, you, we, when I do the, um, the Meet the Manager um, podcast and video for Fantasy Football Scouts, where I talk to people like yourself, Josh, <laughs> who've got a number of top mm-hmm. finishes, and we, um, you know, find out what went right, what went wrong, and oh, time and time again, the theme that emerges from that is the, is is this sort of glib phrase of like play your own game, but it, mm-hmm. it holds true each time. I mean, I'm an example of that. The, the season where I came. 5,000 was after one, two, three, four, I don't know, six or seven top 10K finishes. But then I came 82K. <laughs> and the the reason is because part of the reason is I, I started doing a different a different game, really. I started doing different things. I think Giroud came into my team at some point. It was, it was that kind of season. That'll do it, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sure I, 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 oh, one of my moves, um, I, I decided I had enough of Firmino and got Lalana in. And although Lalana got injured after 10 minutes and Firmino went on score brace, <laughs> um, it was uh, on reflection a poor decision because there was about, I was a minus eight involved. It was just an unnecessary thing. It was pointless, <laughs> pointless thing, a pointless move to do. And I was caught out by it. There were things like that that, w- that went on. Um, but I think if you stick to your own game you d- and, and follow the basics, which is don't take too many hits, um, Look at fixtures and follow them. Um, look at the form and the real basic stuff. If you do all of those things, then you should do okay, basically. Um, and then it's pushing on. So some of the managers I've spoken to, say, for like, for example, Late Riser 12, uh, who came in the top, I think it was top 30, top 30, 31 this season. Um, you know, he, so he's, he's like the like breakout a, star, the breakout yeah. star of this season, I would say. Well, well, no, I mean, yeah. he's been doing this for years. Uh, this is the second time he's been the top uh, FPL manager in India, uh, which is some achievement. Uh, yeah, top, it is. top of the world's uh, a big achievement, but top of a country like India. I mean, it's not, it's not like the Isle of Man or I, I can't think of uh, an American <laughs> equivalent. Yeah, sure. A tiny yeah. place. <laughs> Wasn't uh, Christmas Island became a popular yeah. geographic target for FPL managers at yeah. some point? So I think I think if you just follow the basics, you should do okay. But then uh, there is that element of luck to certain seasons. You will, you know, it won't go your way sometimes. But if you just keep keep to the the, the basics, the dull art approach, you should do okay. And then it's then you've got to look at those managers like Late Rise at twelve and try and push on. And I look back at some of those seasons like when I came in the top. 1k you know it's partly partly um getting the players in and then maintaining their form um i i think that may have been the ramsey and yaya tory season where they inexplicably kept scoring every week um and i just got them in at the start of that so just just the points just kept coming in sometimes you can sort of get a lucky break like that and you kind of go with it but um yeah you just got to look at <laughs> i mean it sounds like it sounds quite rambling about the old skill and luck debate with it, yeah. but it is a game of skill to analyze statistics, to look at the news, to find out which players, you know, are in uh, favor with a particular team. Those types of things, and also there's a lot that your triple captain won't get injured after five minutes. That type of thing, and you just got to accept yes. the luck yeah. and the skill element to it. It's not one or the other; it's both. All right, guys, you've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. 
And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory, and many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sundays! Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So we got we got this question that kind of talks to what you were just saying, Joe, from our patron Francis FPL Ant. He says, your excellent Meet the Manager series shows there are many routes to the top. Are there any commonalities that we can take from from that series to bolster our own style to be more effective and consistent managers? And what we, you talked a lot about um strategies that you've employed or managers mm. like late riser Joe, but I'm trying to think of during your conversations with these top managers, can you think of like the most controversial tactics that they've used or say how you play um, holding versus holding your transfer versus taking a bunch of transfer hits? Is there some sort of commonality there between these managers? No, that's the thing that, well, there is in that they're all sensible (laughs) and the commonality is they don't do those sort of strange moves. Um, what they do is they look at everything quite logically and they have a sort of plan and they stick with it. Um, for example, Mark, who, who's FPL general, uh, and he's, he does his podcasts um, and obviously appears appears on video a lot. Um, he has quite a patient approach to it and it really works a lot of seasons. And it works you know, in order to get a really, really high finish as well. But he doesn't take those sort of those massive upside chasing moves that say late riser 12 would or Mark would as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you'll see in a season like, say, for example, Mark's, he'll either get in the top 50 or the top 200,000. So you can see that they, those moves, those risky moves do, do pay off, but it's sensible. It's always with a theme to it. It's always keeping an eye on the news, keeping an eye on on all of the the different um, statistics and those movements in statistics as well. Is that player's form dropping? Um, something I listened to was um, was around Bruno Fernandez towards the end of this season, and obviously he was doing fantastically um, well, but his form was dropping off, and he was doing sort of okay at relying on penalties. 
And so as a captain, you were sort of getting sort of Harry Kane levels of, you were getting maybe nine points, eight points, seven points, but you weren't getting those spectacular KDB or Sterling hat tricks. Um, And that was something I think it was Karen Carney, uh, uh, a former, you know, um, England player. And she was talking on the radio about, you know, a drop in, and she was reading off all these statistics about a drop in uh, performance level and about how many passes that were becoming inaccurate and, and measuring it over time between these periods since lockdown started. I was listening to that thinking, God, yeah, she's right. And, and everything she said proved proved to be right. Um, whilst he had Fernandez, Fernandez had the penalties to rely on, that explosiveness had gone, really, because he was basically knackered. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, that's what I would pick up on from the meet the manager is, is that the sensible approach and just keeping tabs on things and, and keeping tabs on the news, those stats, statistics, stories within the stats as well. Who's the latest whipping boy as well? Yeah. By whipping boys, I mean mm-hmm. the team that's going to, with the worst defense. Um, because, because it changes. I mean, for some, for a while it was Bournemouth. Uh, towards the end of this season. But suddenly the defence became a bit better. Aston Villa, terrible season. After lockdown, suddenly become like Italy World Cup squad. Um, Jack Stevens <laughs> alone at, at Southampton. Suddenly Southampton's defence was incredible. Yeah. Um, these fluctuations change. So it's, it's important to keep tabs on those and keep tabs on the trends that are emerging. It's an interesting point that you make, Joe, about how data can can kind of lie to you if you don't see the mm. stories that are that are baked within them. And a, a quick follow-up to that strategy question comes from Paul Parsons, who mm. asks, how has how your style, Joe, as a manager, evolved over the years, um, like Joe now versus five years ago? And I think more specifically, I would ask you, because data is such a ever-present thing now in sport and in FPL managers' lives, you think about XG and XA, do you think, I mean, I know your religious devotion to your goals <laughs> imminent table, Joe, um, which which is interesting. Has your specific approach to data evolved over, say, the last five years? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the expected um, stats have, have changed a lot because um, <clears throat> they show. So you could look at um, something like um, a chance created, a shot on target, but the expected um, data will give you the quality of that. So it's not necessarily the quantity of the shots on target. It's the quality of that shot, how hard it is, how much, how near it was to scoring a goal. Did it actually result in a goal? So that that's completely changed. Um, for me, I play a, a sort of a price points or plug and play system. So, so essentially you start off with a balanced team and you continue with a balanced team. Um, one of the big mistakes I made in the season where I came about 82K was I put all of my eggs in one, well, a few baskets. So I got someone like um, uh, Alexis Sanchez, um, Hazard, and I can't remember, Harry Kane maybe. So basically, there was three very, very expensive players. I had lots of rubbish players. Jason Punchin, I think, got in there somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds rubbish. And, <laughs> that tracks. And so if you get a week, which happened, where Hazard, Sanchez, just three players don't score. Three great players don't score. Can happen. You're narrowing those odds. And so I had something like three sub-30, two actually sub-20 points game week scores in a row. And that, that pro- pro- propelled me to the... Uh, 
an awful dungeon in the, in the overall rankings. Mm. I was with I was, the ghost ships. I was I was with the ghost ships that were haunting the ghost ships. It was so far down. Um, and, We've all been there. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so I think the way I would evolve as a manager there is I, I still uh, is I've evolved since then into having a more balanced team. And so if I get eight or nine players that score me points, I'm really happy um, because maybe two or three haven't. So instead of so reversing that big mistake I made where two or three, um, you know, I, I want to pin my hopes on two or three players scoring and the rest don't because they're never going to. But if I if I if I narrow those odds and I create a team where, you know, anything up to 10 of my 11 have got a really good chance of scoring, then you know, hopefully, hopefully they can do their business and, and score for me. So that means having, you know, having good mid-priced midfielders, having perhaps a cheaper one, but not too many of them. Not have three 4.5 midfielders, that's crazy, but have maybe one who sits on your bench. Um, and so, and I think the way I would evolve that, like in the next, well, five years or next season, hopefully, is um, I didn't really use that to my advantage. So people, players like Mark and, and Late Riser 12, um, the way I play is actually set up for how they play, weirdly, is to make um, a hit or make or use two free transfers to get a player in um, who can uh, maximise those points, get a huge double-digit score and you can captain them and, and do really well mm-hmm. that week. So I sort of did it half. I had the setup. I had the balance setup. I had like, I don't know, an Abamyang or a cane-shaped player, which could have been anyone. Um, and then um, I didn't quite make that move. So it's a question of being bold, I think, with that move, knowing when to take that move and when not to. Um, so, for example, this season, Abamyang. Um, I kept him during lockdown. I had him after lockdown. A few people got rid of him. But he had Norwich coming up. And then Norwich with the Whipping Boys. And Aubameyang wasn't a popular captain choice, but I decided to captain him. And whilst a lot went wrong for me this season after lockdown, that went right. Captaining a player like Aubameyang for a big score, and not many people got him in. So I want to I want to do that more. I want to use that plug and play that balance more and then to um, make sure I actually go for the players who've got like a you know, great fixture like that. Who knows? Fulham, right. last time they were in, um, I know you're a Fulham fan. Oh, we're going to go there, Joe. <laughs> we're okay, going, let's we're going to go there. But they have potential <laughs> to be a team where mm-hmm. you would target whichever striker is playing against them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's true. They may not, though. They may not. So it's kind of like good good balance throughout, and then at your your premium, your most expensive slots, mm-hmm. you're willing to, to move those players around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, move them around. Is that a... Yeah. For, for example, there was a period in the season where – um, you know, the periods in the season where you could have done without KDB, there are periods where, you know, good to get rid of him. Um, there's other periods where he's, he's indispensable, but it's about making that move and taking that risk and switching them around, around the fixtures, around the potential, the points potential there. Um, so I, I will look to do that more, but still fit it within my style, which is to have a balanced team. So not go crazy and have, you know, three 12 million players and then the rest of rest of Jason Punchin. Um it, right. it's a question of having keeping that balance going. So we got a lot of people saying, oh Ten, um <laughs> uh, Trent Alexander Arnold's gonna be eight million, ten million, million, whatever. Um I don't care what he is and I don't know if I'm definitely gonna get him in. But I, I see that as a sort of a premium defender. I know I want to get a premium defender. So that if I don't right. get him in, 
I can get him in easily. Or if I do get him in and Robertson ends up offering better value or Van Dyke, then I can quickly move to them. But what I don't want to do is have five 4.5 defenders so I can never get him in. I want to have better have give myself that choice. Okay. Uh, a couple more questions here. Uh, one, one is sort of in line with this, I guess. Uh, Benno says, uh, with the general feeling that value and points are shifting to the midfield, and I, I, I do think that's an accurate reflection of how people are thinking right now, uh, will you keep your usual price point structure, including a premium striker, for the next season? So do you think you, you might have a, an 11 million? Is Timar Werner going to be in your team in game week one? I think it depends on the players and it depends on their prices and it depends on where they're being classified. Um, my most successful formations last season were 3-4-3 and 3-5-2, which I find a good formation really. It's quite flexible. So instead of, so for that, you can have two cheaper strikers, two mid-price strikers, not have a premium one. But you essentially, Salah, for example, he's a striker. <laughs> um, <laughs> Martial. Uh, Manchester United. He was a striker. <laughs> you know, these guys. You know, they were they were they classified especially about, Martial. Yeah. yeah, and then this season, uh, I don't know what classification they're going to be. So I can't necessarily say I'm going to be have a three four three, have a premium striker. But if, if all of the the main strikers that I like are in fact listed as midfielders, then I'm going to try and look for a sort of a three five two. Um, but it's about being flexible, really. And you, you said about Werner. So, so he is a player I am looking at. Um, and looking at, at the teams that maybe underperformed or overperformed. I mean, Chelsea did over uh, overperform. They performed very well, put it that way. I don't want to offend any Chelsea fans. They performed very well. But their players were really underpriced. Their midfields were really, I mean, yeah. Pudisic, what was he? Seven, 7.5 or something? Uh, Mason Mount was something like six or something. Yeah. I mean, they, they were they were woefully underpriced. It was, a, it was, an, um, it was an, an advantage to go for them. So in terms of, um, going back to that original question after my long ramble, what will be the theme? The theme often is in the Twitter sphere, um, the theme is whatever the last theme was at the end of the last season. So the theme of the last season was pile into the midfield, forget strikers, get get Trent Alexander Arnold, forget the rest of them. <laughs> so yeah, and and that's and and what the theme for the previous season is never the theme, the actual theme. So big at the bat was the theme. What happened with your five defenders or even four defenders? Disaster, disaster time. <laughs> and and so the thing is, yeah. yes, midfield could be. But be flexible, and for me, I think three four three is a good flexible approach to it because you can move, you can pile in on the three five two. But if you're going five four one or something, really inflexible, and that's quite that's quite difficult because say the strikers could emerge really as as prime assets. Um, Chelsea are, Chelsea are interesting, definitely. Yeah, Joe, I think you would fit right in as the third member of the Always Cheating podcast because you you have the same answer to the question that became our favorite answer was it depends, yeah. and it depends <laughs> seems to be the perfect answer for every FPL question these days. Uh, very yeah. much dependent on your style of play and, and your team. You see it all the time in 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 an FPL chats. Everyone's convinced of it. I remember last season. Everyone's convinced. Oh, I'm getting triple Liverpool defence. I'm getting. I'm going big at the back. Big at the back is the way to do it. And look at the value. And then after a month, nah, <laughs> nah, that hasn't worked. I'll go with something else. And so I always say, just yeah. we don't know. We don't know. We just just plan for every eventuality. <laughs> 
I'm often surprised by the, by the confidence of, of certain managers. And I, I agree. I, I think, and you know, I actually think that one thing I like about the, uh, the late riser 12, and I, I feel like I've just been big upping him all season, but I just, I really, he's, it's sort of like, uh, and there was actually, uh, years ago, uh, now you did an interview with, with James, um, Eggersdorf. That was really mm. important for me. And I had my best season, I think partially inspired, uh, by, by some of the things that he said in that interview. Uh, but one thing the late riser does, which I think is that, it's like you said, he, he plays sensibly, but he has this idea of, of, of upside chasing is mm. in some ways embracing the, um, the unpredictability of it. I think, you know, it's sort of, you're not, you're not committing yourself to a particular player. I, th- I think, I think in the current, the way the game is. So, so when I started playing it 12 years ago, there was, I can't remember, it was a 1 million, 2 million players. Um, maybe even just 1 million. Mm-hmm. And now there's, what, 7 million? I think within a couple of years, it's bound to be up to 10 million. Undoubtedly, um, yeah. Um, just the, the, the way the growth is going. And so uh, when, when you mention things like about ownership, um, a lot of people go, oh, ownership. And they, they seem to think that ownership is about um, copying what the crowd or the, the so-called herd are doing. But it's not really. It's looking at who isn't owned, <laughs> who's got not just those differentials, but who is not a popular captaincy choice. And that's something that people like um, James and, and Late Riser and Mark do uh, very well, is they, they sort of predict who will be the captain and then think, can I do better? And that's that's the question they ask themselves. And a lot of the time, because of their high ranks, all of those I've just mentioned, it can work and it does work. But sometimes it won't work, which is, you know, occasionally they won't get such a good rank. But um, most of the time that 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 can work because they're looking at ownership. So I do say, especially with seven million managers, do look at ownership. But don't necessarily look at who you should be getting in because the so-called crowd or the herd are doing it. But look in terms of, you know, who is a bit different, who is low owned, who, who, you know, people won't captain. There's a lot of Manchester United fans in the world and who play FPL. They're a massive squad, massive, massive squad, they're a massive side. Um, And um, look to that as well. Fernandez is—he almost broke the game because because he's so pop. Manchester United. As soon as a Manchester United player like that emerges, eh, loads of people going to captain yeah. him, and they're captaining him not necessarily because they're looking at the stats and not looking at him because they necessarily think he's going to be the best captain, although he could be. They're looking at him because he's the star player for their team, Manchester United. So look at that type of um, uh, theme or trend that's going on, and think, well, yeah, I mean. You know, this team were a bit Arsenal, a bit unfashionable for FPL managers last. I, I was the example I gave about a Bamiang. Um, part of the reason I captained him against Nor- Norwich, and I wish I'd got him in and captained against Watford for the same reason, is he's not a popular captaincy choice. Um, so it's just following that trend, really. Ho- hopefully, he won't. He still won't be, and I can captain him. <laughs> All right, I think I think this is a good way to wrap up the conversation, Joe, uh, because the game for the 2021 season hasn't launched just yet. Mm. And this is actually a very exciting time for appeal managers because the game could launch tomorrow. The game could launch two weeks That's from true. now. By the time this pod is out uh, and people are listening to it, the game may have launched. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but yes, it is an exciting time. But it, it, this is a good time to have this thought experiment because there are occasionally, there are often tweaks made to the game, whether it's a new chip or a, a slightly new, I mean, I guess there hasn't been a real change to the scoring mechanics and eons apart from the bonus point system but what do we want to see changed this season if i could put my finger on one thing i I think i agree that the easiest 
uh, change for the FPL game to make that I would vote for would be that thing of, can we get point accruals for tackles in the midfield? So defensive players like Declan Rice and N'Golo Kante could truly be FPL picks and you could have a, a cheaper slot in your midfield where you could actually get a point for every three tackles that that player makes, like like the way goalkeepers accrue points. So you think about the one the one or two things that really bug you about FPL scoring or FPL rules, Joe, is there something that you think would be the yeah. best change they're to not, make this season. They're not listening, you know. Mm. Uh, so we're not well, asking I, you to complain I, I, or I anything like that, but just say, anything you might change. I used to say about the chips, the chips need to be overhauled. Um, the season I was describing where I came about at 5,000 but was bored out of my brain and and the lack of motivation was that chips have to be used around the double game weeks towards the end of a season. Then this season came along with a big pandemic and, <laughs> and the big change there, the big lockdown, um, and chips had to be used in a single game week. And I didn't do so well out of that. Um, uh, I, my chip strategy this season was, was, was woeful. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I didn't, um, meet that challenge well, but I used to say, and I think I still do, even though it will be detrimental to me. If you're going to have chips, you've got a wild card pre-Christmas, you've got a wild card post-Christmas or post-New Year. Why not have all the chips? You've got a complete set of chips, your three chips, three or four chips and you and you use them before um january the first and then you've got the next lot use them afterwards that means you more often than not you've got to use them during a single game week because that's going to be the majority of the game weeks before christmas you might this season because of european involvement and the nature of of covid19 there may be a double game week early on but nevertheless most seasons you're not so i do think that would make the game more interesting and it would be something that I, as a manager used to a different way, would have to adapt to. And I haven't adapted very well to it so far um, on, on the last season's evidence. So I would do that. So it's, it's sort of a change that wouldn't really benefit me, but it could benefit the game and it could benefit many other managers because it would increase the luck element to it. And that's going to please more people because more people are going to get higher scores and people like getting more points. Um, those, those are the kind of changes. The other change I would make is get rid of all the chips. <laughs> I really yeah, right. swing the other way. I swing the other way. For yeah. me personally, I'm kind of, I'm kind of there get too. rid of get yeah. get rid of the chips um, because because it is that element of luck. But I think for the game and because of the huge popularity of it, I think the sensible thing to do is if you have got the chips, really go for them <laughs> and have pre and post Christmas ones. I like that idea too. I actually like both ideas. I'd be fine with the guy got rid of them. Uh, and I like the idea of breaking them up a little bit too. Cause I, I do like, you know, I think sometimes, um, you do have to, um, I mean, the chips themselves are kind of a deus ex machina, right? So I think that mm. there's no, there's nothing wrong with, with tinkering with them even more, you know, and adding, um, you know, some restrictions to, to yeah, the, the, um, the, um, the Scandinavian games, um, have, um, chips, and and but they change them around, and they've got some. They got oh, this one called the Rich Uncle or something. Where I can't remember how it's <laughs> right. done, but um, uh, basically all, I don't know, all your strikers. Um, I can't remember the way it works out, but there are various chips like yeah. where your strikers score more, and you've got it much more interesting like that. So if you've got the chips, embrace them, make make them interesting, change them every season. Um, that'd be quite interesting. Um, changing them every season, but it'll have more of them or just get rid of them at all. But it, it just seems a bit like half measure at the moment with the chips. They're just sort of slightly in the way or slightly a bit stagnant. And I would like to make more of them or get rid of them. <laughs> Anything else, Brandon? 
I think we've, uh, I think this is pretty wide ranging. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I, uh, I have nothing else to say. Nothing else, nothing else to ask you, Joe. I, I, I've I've heard you talk, (laughs) I've heard you, I've heard you opine about fantasy for a long time. It was, it was nice to get it all Mm -hmm. together in one in one conversation so thank you so much for joining us no it's it's, it's been um it's been a pleasure it's been uh, good for me I, I don't often appear on other people's podcasts having having doing them each week for fantasy football scout so uh, it's a a nice new experience for me i quite enjoyed it that's going to change after this appearance joe you're going to be in in high demand so make sure you it's know true. just like setting the right price for christian pulisic Set the right price for your appearance fees going forward, Joe, because uh, it's about to change. <laughs> yeah, we got in early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. I, I, I would thank you as well, Joe, and, and thanks for all the work that you continue to do in the FPL community. Again, if you want to follow Joe on Twitter, he's at FFScout underscore Joe. And uh, we'll look forward to following you throughout the season. Good luck to you, Joe. Thanks a lot. And good luck to you for next season. Thanks again for coming on. Bye. gang one last note before we get out of here and it's from our friends at bet online did somebody say playoffs nba and nhl are playing for the gold and our partners at bet online have you covered get in on all the action including the new nba bracket contest with plenty of chances to win mlb season is pushing into the fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds futures and props So take advantage of the return of sports and remember the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.